It's June 14th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, inflation, top headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin and the broader crypto market are up slightly while Ether holds steady and traders adopt their now customary defensive crouch, waiting for the latest mutterings from the U.S. Central Bank. Based on yesterday's official inflation data, which we'll discuss more in the headlines, most are expecting a so-called hawkish pause, meaning that the central bank will leave interest rates unchanged without shutting the door to potential future rate rises. Bitcoin puts, meanwhile, or bets that the price of Bitcoin will go down, are trading higher than Bitcoin calls, bets that the price of Bitcoin will go up heading into this meeting. That means that futures traders are, on net, nervous that this could push prices lower. Edward Moya, a senior market analyst with Oanda, sees the likely possibility of the Fed skipping a rate hike on Wednesday and increased regulatory scrutiny of altcoins as fuel for Bitcoin support. He wrote in a note that, quote, a cooling inflation report is fueling a bull market as the Fed should have no problem skipping a rate hike on Wednesday, end quote. He continued, this is slightly paraphrased, Wall Street is becoming a little bit hopeful here that the worst may be over. Bitcoin remains stable around the 26,000 level as investors consider reducing altcoin exposure and increasing Bitcoin holdings. In related news, the federal judge overseeing the SEC's case against Binance and Binance.us declined to approve a temporary restraining order, freezing the U.S. trading platform's assets. That decision allows Binance.us to continue doing business while hashing out restrictions with the regulator. In the meantime, the judge ordered Binance.us to provide a list of business expenses to the court and ordered the parties to continue negotiating. The status update is due by close of business tomorrow, and we're going to talk about this along with a couple of related stories a bit more in the headlines. But in further news, Coinbase, which has been the target of an SEC lawsuit, of course, has been invited by a Hong Kong lawmaker to set up shop in the territory, as it's in the process of making rules for crypto. The reality on the ground, of course, is that Hong Kong's rulebook for crypto isn't actually all that attractive to exchanges. For one thing, the number of tokens available to trade would be significantly limited, compared to what users have come to expect from the larger exchanges. And rules from Hong Kong Securities Watchdog state that there needs to be a 12-month cooling-off period between token launches and a token listing. Stablecoins, crypto derivatives, earn and lend programs are also banned, and likely staking services will be too. Airdrops also are on the naughty list, so even if Coinbase were to make this move, it wouldn't necessarily be a very productive decision. And sticking with the topic of exchanges, Bitcoin supply on exchanges slipped to its lowest level since February of 2018. This recent decline has largely been tied to the SEC's lawsuits against a couple of exchanges that we've talked about pretty extensively on this show. But the supply of Bitcoin on exchanges has been steadily falling since 2020, when it peaked in the depths of the then bear market. That action suggests that traders and investors have been continually taking Bitcoin off of exchanges in favor of self-custody. That's according to the Santamont firm. In theory, that would then ease up potential selling pressure, given off-exchange Bitcoin are more difficult to trade than on-exchange Bitcoin. And lastly, taking a quick look at the Bitcoin price chart, a pattern has emerged called a throwback that could recharge bulls' engines for the rally, at least according to the chart watchers. In technical analysis, a throwback is a price drop to a former breakout level or resistance turned support. After a breakout, prices rally for some days before losing upward momentum and returning to that point. Bitcoin recently fell to around $25,000, revisiting a former resistance point that was flipped and turned into support back in March. The 19% pullback from the mid-April high of 31000 to a former breakout point is seen as a classic throwback pattern, according to the head of research at Valkyrie Investments. So although Bitcoin might experience a pullback, there's reason to believe that there's room for a near-term rally, although we'll see what happens in real life. 
Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk Markets Analysts, Lila Ledesma. I'm Greg Goodley and Sam Reynolds. Bitcoin is currently trading at $26,003 per token. That's up 0.4% since our show on Monday, while Ether is trading at $1,744 per token. That's essentially flat over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,125. That compares against Monday's reading of 1,121 and represents just under a 0.4% increase across top-traded tokens over that time period. Now, before we get to today's headlines, let's take a quick look at traditional markets. In the U.S., indexes rose, with the Nasdaq Composite showing the most strength, up 2.4%. The S&P 500 also saw big gains, though, up 1.7%, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained about a point. In Europe, it's much the same, but a little bit more muted, with the regional stocks 600 adding 0.9%, London's FTSE 100 up half a point, and Germany's DAX leading the way on its path to a record high with a 1.3% increase. In Asia, Chinese markets essentially traded flat, while Japan's Nikkei 225 jumped by 3.3%. In commodities markets, Brent crude, that's the international benchmark for oil, jumped almost 3%, currently changing hands at $75.04 per barrel, which is still thoroughly within the range we've been tracking over the last couple of months. Gold, meanwhile, was essentially flat, priced this morning at $1,969 per troy ounce. And the big winner, you might have guessed, is First Republic, which gained almost a penny, up just about 4.5%, although still down probably about 40% since just we started tracking it, and of course, down more than 99% since the start of the year. Stay tuned for After the Break. We're going to talk about inflation as well as more SEC stuff. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Yesterday, we saw the release of the latest official inflation data, which, by beating expectations, spurred markets higher even as prices continued to rise at historically elevated rates. It's worth taking a quick moment to dissect exactly how that game is played, because it's not just about CPI, this is actually about most of the numbers that are used to guide our perception of the world. Yesterday's consumer price index reading came in at one-tenth of one percent higher than the month before, which means that the rate at which prices are increasing increased by a tenth of a percent over the prior month which was seen as a win, because the prior month saw the rate at which prices are going up jump by almost half a point. So it's interesting to observe that depending on how you look at this news, it's either good or bad, or a continuation of trend. And yet markets reacted as if it was quite positive. Why? A lot of this has to do with the framing specifically around consensus expectations. By consensus, I mean economists typically employed by banks who Wall Street and Washington pay attention to. Take all of these supposed experts' opinions, mix them together to get the consensus expectation. Now, when the official data comes out, whatever the data is, don't necessarily compare it against reality, just compare it against what the bank said that they expect. In that paradigm, an objectively bad result can be spun as good because it wasn't as bad as the consensus expected. And of course, similarly, a good result can be seen as not good if it comes up under the expectation, although we don't get much of that these days. But let's set that aside and dig into the numbers, which, at the very least, is showing by official metrics that the pace at which prices are rising continues to slow. In good news, energy costs declined, along with the price of eggs, which fell more than 13% in the largest drop since 1951. Services, which rose in price faster than most other sectors earlier in this cycle, also saw some modest declines, but they remained significantly elevated. On the higher prices side of the table, used vehicles, housing, and rent were all primary drivers of ongoing inflation. Although we'll remind you that housing is a lagging indicator in the official statistics, roughly a year behind other more timely metrics. And so this is probably a false sign, showing increases in costs that happened last year. Apparel, personal care, and education also rose. 
Back to good news for a second. After spiking to generational highs, this is now the 11th consecutive month that's seen that rate at which prices are going up moderate. And that is good news by all standards, even if it's a bit tempered by the fact that now with inflation running so high for so long, the way that we measure inflation is a little bit distorted. But on the other hand, this is also the 26th straight month where the rate at which prices are going up has exceeded the rate at which earnings for the average citizen are going up. Times are tough out there. I'd remind everyone to be kind to each other and appreciate the stress that a lot of us are under. But enough about all of that. Turning to industry news, Bank, a subsidiary of embattled crypto custodian Prime Trust, has filed for bankruptcy in a U.S. bankruptcy court in the District of Nevada. In that bankruptcy filing, the company cited approximately $17.72 million in assets against $5.4 million in liabilities, which is pretty strange for a company that's just declared bankruptcy. But there's more to this story than that. This comes as Bank's parent, Prime Trust, works to close an acquisition deal with BitGo after facing a financial crisis as a result of the Celsius bankruptcy. The company also notes in its filing that $17.5 million in assets were taken in what they describe as an unauthorized transfer by former officers consisting of trade secrets, as well as proprietary information and technology, to Fortress NFT Group. And honestly, that is the whole reason that this story is worth talking about. Fortress NFT Group was allegedly founded by Bank's former CEO, CTO, and CPO. Bank has sued Fortress. Bank has sued Fortress for allegedly stealing what they describe as trade secret information to launch rival NFT platforms, Fortress NFT and Planet NFT. It further alleges that they engaged in fraudulent activity to cover up their misconduct. Bank said in its lawsuit against the trio that Scott Purcell, the former CEO, attempted to pivot Bank towards NFTs, but facing pushback from its board and shareholders, went on to found Fortress NFT and then allegedly sold Bank's computers, intellectual property, and corporate infrastructure to the new company. Coindesk's Sam Reynolds has more on this one. And finally, we've got a couple stories suggesting the U.S. securities regulator are overreaching their authority and may be on the back foot, at least in court. Requests by the SEC in two separate cases asking that customer withdrawals not be allowed have been rebuffed by each of the respective judges overseeing the situations. Their recent actions against Binance.us, of course, have been covered on this show, but another exchange, Bittrex, that recently declared bankruptcy, is another name in play here. Both companies say that they're solvent and that they want to allow their users to withdraw their assets as soon as possible. The SEC would rather that they wait. At times, the judge overseeing the Binance.us case in particular seemed frustrated by the responses that she was hearing when asking whether any Binance.us customer funds had actually left the U.S. After multiple SEC attorneys said they were mainly concerned about the fact that Binance's global platform controlled enough private key shards to move funds, quote, I want to know if it's happening or not, the judge said. Continuing, it's stunning that I've asked each of you this, end quote. In the Bittrex case, which centers around alleged violations of U.S. sanctions by the now bankrupt exchange, the judge authorized the U.S. company and its affiliates to, quote, permit their customers holding undisputed, non-contingent, and liquidated claims to withdraw cryptocurrency assets and fiat currencies from the debtor's trading platform to the extent of such claims, end quote. One caveat about that is that the judgment notably doesn't determine who legally owns those assets, and the SEC claims that they're owed millions in sanctions violations by the company. But in the interim, customers will be able to get their funds back, although it is possible that there could be clawbacks in the future. Withdrawals are expected to resume tomorrow. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Today's episode was edited by Ryan. And for those of you still with us, we'd love to hear what you think. You can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. 